Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. Right now, I am in an alley with a guy named John Grant. Hi, I'm John Grant. John Grant is a singer-songwriter. Right now, he's wearing a trucker's hat that says gloom, but it's difficult to be gloomy on such a nice day, wouldn't you say? Uh, no, I find it pretty easy. <laughs> How is that exactly? Oh, I don't know. I, I thought you were just kidding. <laughs> I am kidding because, John Grant, your best songs perfectly capture the agony and ecstasy of life. So before we get into that, I wanted to get John Grant at his goofiest. Okay. <laughs> what you... How can I do that? Uh, I don't know. I don't think you'll be able to. So you're saying that you're never goofy? Um... Not uh, on cue, no. <laughs> That's too bad. Do you do many interviews in stinky alleyways? Uh, no, not really. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, how about, John Grant, we listen to a song that you have recorded. Sounds good. Back then I often found myself Driving on the road at night And the radio was broadcasting the ocean Release themselves into the air Reminding me that I 
Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Pale Green Ghosts. That's off the album with the same title by John Grant. I'm standing here in an alley with John Grant, and I'd love you to talk a bit about this track. Well, it's a track about uh, a stretch of highway that I drove up and down for many years while I was living in Colorado. And um, I particularly liked... um, at the end of May when a certain type of tree was blooming there was a tree called the Russian olive tree that was that lined certain stretches of that highway and at the end of May they get little flowers on them that um, have the most incredible fragrance so it's basically just about that specific point of time uh, driving up and down that highway and it's it's about you know the fact that also that I you know that that highway was a a big part of my life that I you know I went through a lot of different things going up and down, driving up and down that highway, so it was an important important part of my past, I guess. I've read that that's the highway you travel on when you were going to and from the club. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the clubs that we used to go to was called Pogo's, and it was in Boulder, Colorado, and uh, that was uh, one of the main reasons, or probably the only reason that I went to Boulder, um, was to go to that club. It wasn't the main club we went to, but you know, it was one of the nights during the week that had a new wave night because you know all the clubs had different nights and you know we wanted to go to the new wave nights because that was the music that we were into so that I think it was Monday nights for that one. What kind of club night do you like to go to nowadays? Uh, I don't go out at all um, really. Uh, I don't drink. I'm sober and and uh, I don't really enjoy being out at the clubs. Um, I mean you know it would have to be a really amazing club like Berghain in Berlin uh, with an amazing sound system for me to want to go and just listen to music but I don't really ever go out so I just you know I go out to eat with friends and and uh, I travel a lot so I usually like just going back to my hotel room and chilling out except for when you get bothered by pesky interviewers (laughs) exactly a lot of performers like to keep a separation between themselves and their fans they often say to me that they don't want to talk about what lyrics mean because they want the fans to interpret the lyrics so that they have meaning in their fans' lives. You obviously do not have this opinion, but I'd like to hear your take on it. Um, I don't really... I mean, I, I write about, you know, things that are important to me, and and um, I don't really feel like you can write lyrics and expect people to react to them in a specific way. I mean, people just, people are going to react to the lyrics however they're going to react, and that's not something that you can really control, so I don't think it really matters what you write about, as long as uh, what you're writing about is coming, um, well, I mean, I I don't even think, you know, I don't even think that anybody, um, that it necessarily has to be coming from your heart, but I think it helps. In my particular case, I write about things that I think a lot of people go through, so I think it resonates with people because they, uh, or the lyrics resonate with people because because um, we're all just humans and we're all going through the same shit. So, um, yeah, I think uh, if you just write about, uh, if you just write honestly about how you feel as a human, I mean, there's going to be people who are going to get it, I think. Hopefully. Obviously, in your case, a lot of people have, quote-unquote, got it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, uh, it seems like it, it, uh, 
resonates with a lot of different groups of people, not just the gay community, but um, yeah, because I think, like I said, I think it's just uh, we're, we all are going through similar stuff as humans. There's just a lot of pain in life and you have to figure out a way to navigate that and still enjoy life. How much is enough? That's a really tough question. You ought to give it some thoughts sooner or later. Got off of the hooch and the crack and skipped the smack down. But then you had to find yourself a little low. That came looking at me, says I got the disease. Now what did you expect? You spent your life on your knees. It was never too late. Tell me what were you afraid of?
Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Ernest Borgnine. That's by a guy called John Grant off his second record, Pale Green Ghosts. I've got John Grant here in an alleyway with me. I'd love it if you could talk a bit about this track. Which track was that? Ernest Borgnine. Oh yeah, Ernest Borgnine was just sort of my way of dealing with uh, my HIV diagnosis and um, you know, wanting to get into, uh, I wanted to I didn't want to be glib about it. I wanted to treat it, um, you know, I wanted to treat it, uh, let's see, what's the word I'm looking for here? I wanted to treat it with the seriousness that it deserves, you know, but I mean, I I also, you know, there's those days when you can't really deal with, with something like that, and so you... I wanted to have the verses be about actually dealing with the problem and then the chorus was sort of about escaping into a fantasy world, sort of just trying to avoid the reality that, you know, the reality of having to forgive yourself for putting yourself in a situation where you got this horrible disease and, and you know, some days you can't forgive yourself and you just want to escape. so. You know, it's just sort of like theater of the absurd of, of asking yourself what one of your favorite actors would do, Ernest Borgnine, what would Ernest Borgnine do? Because it's, uh, because it's ridiculous, you know. But, um, you know, life is ridiculous a lot of the time, so. And people do a lot of ridiculous things to escape from the reality of their lives, so. So it fits, because it's something that somebody would actually do, escaping in, into the movies. And it's sort of a, a shout out to Woody Allen, because um, there's one of his movies called Purple Rose of Cairo is about a woman who escapes to the movies every day to or goes to the movies every day to the escape the reality of her home life and uh, one of the characters ends up coming down off the screen one day because he sees her in the audience and then he comes down into her world and interacts with her so it's sort of a shout out to that ever so loosely so for you personally why Ernest Borgnine um, I was just a fan, a big fan of disaster movies in the 70s, and so he was in a lot of those, like Poseidon Adventure, and um, that's the one that comes to mind at the moment, but he was in just a lot of the things that I saw, maybe, I don't know what else he was in, but he was in a lot of stuff, I remember seeing him a lot in the 70s, and I just, I always loved him, I always thought he had a, a great face, and a great voice, and a great smile, and, and uh, yeah, and I love his name. You know, I, I always sort of really liked his name, so. <laughs> the song deals directly with your HIV status. It was so courageous for you to reveal your status to your fans. Do you ever look back on that decision and think maybe you might have done it differently? Uh, no, not at all. I, I've never really regretted it. I mean, I don't even see why, I don't even see why some people think it's courageous because a lot of people do seem to use that word a lot, and I don't feel like I was being courageous. I think I was just talking about what I was dealing with at that time. And I didn't feel like it would, um, I didn't feel like there was any reason why I should um, not say something about it, you know, because it's something that a lot of people have to deal with. And uh, I know that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, destructive, self-destructive behavior that goes on in the gay community. and. You know, that was the reason that I got HIV in the first place was because I was indulging in destructive behavior and not really giving a shit about the future. And so, 
you know, it was important for me to own up to that for myself um, and sort of figure out why is it that you, why, that you, you know, why did you do that? And um, I know there's a lot of people out there that are dealing with the same issues. And so I don't see why we shouldn't talk about it. And anybody that treats me differently or feels differently about me because of my HIV status, well, I didn't really want to interact with those people anyway. So I think I've done myself a favor by sort of separating the wheat from the chaff. And I don't really have to deal with that shit because those people just won't come around. And that's just fine with me because I don't need that in my life anyway. You know, I don't need to be judged or... Uh, you know, I do plenty of that to myself, so I don't really need for that to come from other people. But yeah, I just feel like um, if you are yourself, you know, the people that the people that uh, the people you know that get it will gravitate towards you, and the people that don't like it, well, you know, good for them. I'm sure there's plenty of things they can go do <laughs> that they like to do. You know, well said. I can understand why you might not like the word, but I'm still going to say courageous. So I want to talk a little bit more about music. I would love it if you could take a song off the second record, Pale Green Ghosts, and talk about your writing process while you're talking. I'll play that song in the background. Well, I don't know if I really have a, a process. I, I sort of, um, I think it's different with every song. Sometimes it's the lyrics first. A lot of times it's the lyrics first. That seems to be what happens a lot is that I get lyrics and then I sort of form music around that. Um, the song that I want to, that I, that I would pick is called Black Belt. You are at the height of your game, aren't you? Would you not say that you agree, baby? You got your grip all fine-tuned and sparkling. Yeah, you got your board look all worked out, out. You are all enlightened, nothing makes you frightened You ain't got no time to waste on entry-level middle class You are super silly, yes, pretty and ridiculous You got really good taste, you know how to cut and paste What you got is a black girl in P.S. But you can't hawk your pretty wares up in here anymore Eat your head on the playground at recess second song on the record and um, I think it's probably my favorite song on the record uh, just because you know it, it also works on many levels like a lot of the songs do it's um, it's about lashing out at somebody that doesn't love you anymore and and sort of um, exaggerating all of their faults and picking on their faults and their their shortcomings as a human and of course it's you know, in the end, it's about the absurdity of, of lashing out at somebody that you really love because, of course, you love them and you don't, you don't really care about their faults because otherwise you wouldn't have been with them in the first place. You, you recognize their faults and you realize that everybody is not perfect and that everybody has shortcomings and character defects. And so it's sort of absurd to lash out at somebody that you love simply because they don't love you anymore. But it seems to be um, something that a lot of people do. And that's definitely something that I did as well. And, and so the song... I'm going to jump in because I think everybody can get that. Everybody's done that, I'm sure. So you start with writing out all of that, and then you're like, hmm, I have to put that to music now. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew that I wanted that song to... I wanted the music to be the opposite of what the lyrics were. Um, so it's a really pumping, you know, full of bass, sort of a club sort of a club tune, sort of a, with a really fat beat and some really beautiful sounds from Biggie Vera 
from Gus Gus, and um, it sort of belies the content of the song, which is, you know, analyzing and tearing apart the character of somebody that you actually love very much, um, in order to get over the fact that they simply don't care about you. You brought up your producer that you worked with on your second record, Pale Green Ghosts. He lives in Iceland, where I understand you live now, so I'd love you to first of all just briefly explain for people who have no idea who Gus Gus is, who they are, and then maybe talk about why you've decided to relocate and what that was like for you, because that's a big change. You're a guy from Colorado, moved to Iceland. Yeah. Well, uh, Biggie is from a band called Gus Gus, as you mentioned already, and uh, Gus Gus started back in the 90s, in the mid-90s, um, and had uh, quite a quite a big following. They were on a, a label called 4AD, um, which had a huge following with things like Pixies and Throwing Muses and Cocteau Twins and Dead Can Dance and This Mortal Coil and uh, Wolfgang Press and um, lots of different other things. But Gus Gus didn't really sound like those bands. No, they sounded quite different. They had a um, they had their own thing going on that was sort of electronic. Yeah, it was a new sound for 4AD. So it was pretty cool. Um, and so I was intrigued by that, and then I, I just bought the album and, and immediately loved it, and so I bought everything else that they did from then on out, which was just been a couple of decades now. So at some point, you've moved to Iceland, so I'd love to get there. Yeah, um, then I moved to Iceland after, um, well, I've been, I, you know, I lived in Germany for six years, and so I'm no stranger to living abroad. And I really like to, you know, I'm, I'm a big language freak, I studied languages in school, so uh, I was studying to become a, uh, an interpreter in Germany, and I, I learned uh, German and Russian back in the 80s and 90s. And then um, I moved back to Colorado, and then, uh, and then I moved from Colorado to New York City and was in Brooklyn for three years, and then I moved to Denton, Texas to do my first solo record. And then I moved from Texas uh, back to Denver for a little bit, and then went out on the road with Queen of Denmark, and then I was living in Europe again. Queen of Denmark is your first record. That's correct. Uh, my first solo record. And um, so then I was in Europe for about three years, just uh, moving back and forth between London and Berlin and Gothenburg, Sweden. And then when it came time for me to, uh, well, actually what happened was I was invited to go to Iceland to play the Iceland Airwaves Festival there. And so that's basically how it happened, because I went there and fell in love with it and really wanted to learn the language. And, um, and so I, I just stayed there. And, and I met Biggie. Um, after one of Gus Gus's shows in Reykjavik. We sort of hit it off, and then, then I came back a couple of months later and just started making my album with Biggie, and, we, and uh, it took us the better part of that year to do it. But yeah, and I, and I haven't left yet, and I'm in my third year living there now. Working with Biggie Vera is kind of a different change from your first record as John Grant. That first record's called Queen of Denmark. You worked with a group called Midlake. They're more of a folksy rock band from Texas. So I'd love you to talk about the change in sound. Well, it, it felt very natural to me because I'm uh, a child of the 70s and the 80s, and a lot of the music that I love comes from the 80s. A lot of the music that I listen to is um, new romantic and new wave music from the 80s, which I still love. And, you know, things like Yellow and Skinny Puppy and Cabaret Voltaire and Blamange and... Uh, New Order, Pet Shop Boys, Depeche Mode, Missing Persons, um, Devo, Eurythmics, Gary Newman, uh, Fad Gadget, Chris and Cozy, Kraftwerk. Um, so 
my heart is that's sort of where my heart is with all of that music and so but I also grew up you know loving the 70s AOR um, the AOR music from the 70s you know these sort of you know singer-songwriter ballady type stuff from the 70s so so it made sense for me to you know to do my first record in that style as it turns out because that was you know that's the kind of the music that I remembered from my youngest years and then when I got into adolescence it was more about the electronic stuff so I suppose it's sort of chronological the way I'm doing my records just sort of but I, I suppose the electronic element will stay in the music from here on out to some to some extent because that's what I truly love I suspected that but I had a question ready for you I was gonna say if Queen of Denmark your first record as John Grant was a 70s ode and Pale Green Ghosts your second record was an 80s ode does that mean that your next record has to be your caustic 90s record of rap rock you know what I would probably pay more attention to PJ Harvey and Portishead and uh, and uh, Mazzy Star and those things from the 90s that I love so much so you know making a 90s record you know Gus Gus came from the 90s as well so there were a lot of amazing things that happened and if it could sound like a mixture of PJ Harvey and Portishead and Gus Gus you know I could I could definitely deal with that that'd be pretty sick yeah I agree okay for this record you worked a little bit with Sinead O'Connor she sang backing vocals on some tracks she even covered one of the songs from your first record that song Queen of Denmark I'm gonna play Queen of Denmark in the background while we talk about this, but how did you guys hook up? Well, that's basically how it happened, is that I found out that she was, from my record company, that she was interested in doing a cover of that song, and then that made it possible for me to reach out to her in an email and just introduce myself and tell her that I was so excited, you know, that she had chosen my song to cover, and... and um, so, when you email her, what's in the email? You're like, hey, Sinead, what's up? Heard the cover you did of my song? That's sick! No, it's just, um, it's more like, uh, hey, this is John. Um, I'm really excited that you're doing a cover of my song because it hadn't come out yet. And I hadn't heard it yet. And um, just sort of wanted to say hi and tell you that I'm really excited about it. And I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. And so how's it going? <laughs> you know, it's pretty weird. I wanted to change the world. But I could not even change my underwear And when the shit got really, really out of hand I had it all the way up to my hairline Which keeps receding like my self-confidence As if I ever had any of that stuff anyway I hope I didn't destroy your celebration or your bad mitzvah birthday party or your Christmas You put me in this cage and threw away the key It was this us and them shit that did me in You tell me that my life is based upon a lie I casually mention that I pissed in your coffee I hope you know that all I want from you is sex to be with someone who looks smashing in athletic wear And if your haircut isn't right, you'll be dismissed You get your walking papers and you can leave now I don't know what to want from this world I really don't know what to want from this world 
I don't know what it is you wanna want from me. You really have no right to want anything from me at all. Why don't you take it out on somebody else? Why don't you burn the shit out of somebody else? Why don't you tell somebody else that they're selfish? A weakling coward, a pathetic for You better bring your stun gun and perhaps a crowbar. You better pack a lunch and get up really early. And you should probably get down on your knees and pray. It's really fun to look embarrassed all the time. Like you could never cut the mustard with the big boys. I really don't know who the fuck you think you are. Can I please see your license and your registration? I don't know what to want from this world. I really don't know what to want from this world. I don't know what it is you want to want from me. You really have no right to want anything from me at all. Why don't you take it? So how did she react and how did it get to the point where she's like, oh, by the way, John Grant, if you want me to sing backup on some stuff, yeah, I'd be interested. That's basically how it went. I mean, we, we hit it off right away and we became friends. We became good friends. And then um, one time when we were hanging out in London, she said, you know, I'd, I played her some stuff from the new record, and some demos from the new record. And she said, oh, I have to sing on that. You know, I was like, please do <laughs> be my guest. I would love that, you know. Um, so it was super amazing for me because she's she's incredible, you know. She is, I, I don't even have any adjectives. Yeah. Great. So, John Grant, thank you very much for spending some time with me today. I appreciate that. The last song that I'm going to play is going to be Glacier. That's my favorite off Pale Green Ghosts. I'd love it if you could say a few words about that while I bring up the music. Well, I, you know, I wanted to write a song about, uh, I, I wanted to write a song that would be encouraging to people that are still struggling with their sexuality and environments that 
might be similar to the one that I grew up in, which was, you know, very religious and, and not very uh, tolerant. Well, not tolerant at all. You know, it was also to encourage myself to just keep on, um, keep continuing to learn to accept myself more. Uh, and I wanted to talk about, I wanted to get a little bit political because, you know, of all the things that are going on in the States right now. And, you know, it seems that a, that a huge portion of the United States thinks that we live in a theocracy. And the United States is not a theocracy. And I wanted to remind people of that. That, uh, <laughs> that how people live their lives is nobody else's business. And that that's what the United States was founded on. People were, sp it wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be a dictatorship or a theocracy where people were forced to uh, subscribe to the Christian branch of religion, but people were supposed to be able to do what they wanted to do as long as they were respecting other people. People seem to have gotten that pretty twisted, from what I can tell. I would agree, definitely. John Grant, thank you very much for being on my show. We're going to listen to Glacier by John Grant off his second record, Pale Green Ghosts. Thanks for being on my show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You just want to live your life the best way you know how. But they keep on telling you that you are not allowed. They say you are sick, that you should hang your head in shame. They are pointing fingers and want you to take the blame. There are days when people are so nasty and convincing They say things beyond belief that sting and leave you insane And to boot they say their words come straight down from above And they really seem to think that what they're doing counts as love to 
is commonly referred to as theocracy, and what that boils down to is referred to as hypocrisy. Don't listen to anyone. Get answers on your own, even if it means that sometimes you feel quite alone. No one on this planet can tell you what to believe. People like to talk a lot, and they like to deceive. This
Hi, my name's John Grant, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. Could you do one super, super gloomy? Hi, my name's John Grant, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. How about one uncharacteristically peppy? Hi, my name's John Grant, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. That's awesome. I think you might steal my job. (laughs) I doubt it. I think I got it all. I'm going to ask you this one question, though. If you could have me ask you any question, what would it be? I would have you ask me, how badly do you want to go to Cedar Point in Ohio right now? Okay. I don't know where Cedar Point, Ohio is. It sounds pleasant, but how badly do you want to go to Cedar Point, Ohio? I want to go to Cedar Point, Ohio very, very badly right now. Why is it that you would like to go there so badly? Uh, Because it's a huge amusement park, and I'm a big roller coaster fan, and I want to go ride roller coasters really bad because I haven't done it in a long time. And they have like 15 giant roller coasters there on Lake Erie, so it's pretty super deluxe dope, and I miss roller coasters, and I need a vacation. You know what? At the beginning of the interview, I wanted to get a somewhat goofy side of John Grant, and I think I might have gotten it. (laughs) Perhaps.